welcome to season five. Support for the Boner Planet podcast is presented by Dead Down Wind, Tinks, Shadow Hunter Blinds, Burris Optics, Dead Ringer, The Grind, Bomar Archery, Element Outdoors, Reveal Cellular Camera, HHA and HHA USA, Black Eagle Arrows. Additional support provided by Deer Camp Coffee and Yeti Coolers. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bull Hunter Planet podcast. Tonight it's myself, Tim Mazarana, and Jamie Noteboom, and uh, we have a special guest in the house. I'm actually really excited to talk to him tonight. Scott Nice from Thorn Broadheads. The, uh, uh, you are the uh, operating officer, is that correct? Operations operating officer? I already forgot that. And you told Operations me like manager. <laughs> Operations manager. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I get for not writing anything down, man. That's my fault. <laughs> so it's just, it, it's kind of an official term for a guy that wears a lot of hats. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. In fact, I, and I, Feeling I, that. I unfortunately know it well. I am uh, I am an operations manager myself at the company that I work for, not Bowhunter Planet, and it is we call it, we call it the stuff department because yeah. all the different stuff that's where it goes. You got to yeah. really know <laughs> what's yeah. coming your way. So exactly, <laughs> I love exactly. it. Exactly. Well, I'm excited to have you on, man. We had a little yeah. bit of a chat. Um, you know, a couple of days ago, just talking about different topics and stuff like that. And really wanted to pick your brain on, uh, you know, Thor, Thorn number one, but number two, wanted to pick your brain a little bit about deer, man. Cause you, you had some interesting uh, insights in regards to deer patterns and what they're doing throughout the year. You know, I, I think a lot of us kind of struggle. I know we always struggle with, you know, you're putting up the, the, the cell phone cameras and you're doing all that stuff kind of in summer, you're watching all the deer, you know, up until hunting season hunting season comes and all of a sudden everything's gone right the whole everything changes and uh it's kind of interesting you know it it, you always you always want to blame it on a a bunch of different stuff but you had some good ideas as the as the why that actually happens well you know i've i've man it's hard to explain but i'm you know i'll be 47 this summer and I mean, I literally, I got my first bow when I was eight. Wow. And, uh, you know, I've just, my, my family hunted and just from a young age, I grew up around it. Of course, in Southern Ohio back then, um, we, we didn't have the deer populations that we have now. I mean, if you saw a buck, um, shooting it. you're shooting it. Yeah, yeah yeah you know I, I mean I can remember my dad you know killing a nice uh back then maybe a 120 inch eight point buck and I mean you know you'd have thought that thing was a daggone elk you know because back then you just didn't see the caliber of deer that that we have here in southern Ohio today and it just kind of fueled a a passion for me and I mean obviously you know with me working in the outdoor industry now and and with a broadhead company I mean <laughs> I, it's like how could it get any better right you know and and uh um so you know I, I can almost honestly say that I've spent a lifetime 
studying whitetails and uh you know i'm i'm a meat hunter and a trophy hunter you know i know in today's society they want to label people oh he's just a trophy hunter or whatever you know and 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 i don't i try not to get into all of that but for me um it's that cat and mouse game you know i've had deer that i've spent uh two three four years trying to kill yeah and you know after you get that deer there's a uh, to be honest with you there's kind of a little bit of, of like oh wow you know it, it it finally happened and uh you know that it's like now what do we do yeah yeah, yeah now it's no. over <laughs> you know and and so as far as studying deer you know and i and and i don't have a degree in in wildlife management you know i want everybody to know that up front you know i'm i'm just an old hillbilly from southern ohio that just uh eats it sleeps it breathes it you know and and, and i've been fortunate i've killed some really nice deer um but just over the years like you said running trail cameras just watching deer um you know some things that that a lot of people have questions on and quite honestly i had questions on it myself and uh of course i had a little bit of a leg up i had a, a friend that was a, a wildlife biologist for the state of west virginia oh, okay um he's retired now but anyways um I swear he used to hate to have me call because he knew I was going to pick his brain uh, until there was nothing left to pick. But, you know, we, we obviously talked a lot of deer hunting and uh, you know, I've got uh, one of my best friends is an outfitter. And uh, you know, so he and I were always talking about deer, but so moving on from that, but you know, one of the questions or one of the things that I hear all the time is guys are like, okay, in the summertime, I see the bucks out in the fields and the deer out in the fields when it's, you know, when it's 90 degrees out, but in the fall, when it gets late October, November, if it's much above 40, 40, 50 degrees, you don't hardly see them in the daytime. And, you know, guys are like, you know, I just don't understand it. Yeah. And, uh, so me being me, I, you know, dug in to do some research and what I found as soon as I read it, you know, the old light bulb went off and I'm right. like, well, that makes perfect sense. When deer shed from summer to fall and then winter to summer, that summer hair, not only is it a different color, but the hair, the hairs themselves are different in that they actually, they're designed to release heat from their body. When they shed that, and, and again, it's going to depend on where you're at in the country, but here in Southern Ohio, you're typically going to be looking at about that early September, early to mid-September is when you'll really start noticing do their their summer shed. And when that 
that gray or darker looking hair comes in, those hairs are larger and hollow, more, they're, they're, they're real hollow. Those are designed to keep the heat in their body. That makes so sense. Uh, okay. as soon as I read that, your know, light bulb went off and I'm like, okay, so that's why, you know, in the summertime, you'll see that buck out in a hay field or a bean field or something, you know, when the sun's shining and it's really hot because their their coat their hair literally allows the heat to escape from their body and 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 so i call my biologist buddy and i'm talking to him and he goes listen if you had to run a marathon and it was 50 degrees out 60 degrees and somebody made you put your big heavy winter parka on how how long are you going to be out in that heat yeah that makes sense you know yeah. not very long um, so that was one of the things that really kind of clicked and made sense with me. And, and, and it's a good explanation of why a lot of times, if it's, if, if you notice that during the rut period, everybody says, well, the rut happened at night. Well, if you start looking at your temperatures, those bucks aren't going to chase those all day in the heat when they've got that winter coat on yeah. they it, it would hold so much heat inside their body it it literally can almost cook their internals yeah they would overheat at that point right it, exactly so um you know and and i mean you'll see them on a, a 45 degree day um if you do get one chasing a doe just frothing at the mouth and it's it's just simply because of that winter coat is just trying to hold all that heat in their body well that that's different than jamie though because jamie when he's chasing those girls around back in the day he would foam at the mouth too but it was because of yeah, yeah i got there's there's some things we don't like to talk <laughs> yeah. about that though yeah <laughs> so and and then you know another thing that uh um you know it always kind of something that caught my interest years ago um, when my wife and I first bought our property back in 1997, um, you know, and I'm, we're here in Southern Ohio, it's not mountainous, but it's hilly. And when you leave the main blacktop road, we live about a mile out from the blacktop, but it's about a 300, 350 foot elevation change. Going up? Going up. And, you know, I noticed in the summertime, I would, there's some hay fields down in the bottom and, 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 and man, there'd be bucks out like crazy. And I've got a good friend of mine that lives right on, basically on the blacktop road and, you know, all summer long, taking pictures, sitting on his back deck, watching these big giant bucks out in the field. And then come fall, they were gone. Well, I would notice that starting in about late September, I would start picking up the exact same deer that he had had behind his house all summer long. They had moved up the hill or hills, basically, you know, almost a mile. And then they would be at my place all summer or, or all winter. 
you know, and, and, uh, cause it was, cause I, I'm serious here at my place. I mean, I run cameras year round. I promise you, you won't see anything over a, a year and a half old buck in the summer. Anything older than that. Yep. They come up in the winter. So the long and the short of it is that bucks typically don't winter where they summer. And I'm like, okay, I got to find out why. Yeah. You know, um, and really so far, you know, what I've come up with is the bucks and the does don't want to be really outside of the rut. They don't care to be around each other too much. An old mature doe will run a buck off, you know, as, as, as much as she can. And so I do have a very healthy doe population year round, you know, summertime, you know, my back food plot, it's nothing to see, you know, 10 to 15, 16 deer at a time, but it's going to be primarily, you know, does and fawns. Very seldom will I ever get a picture in the summertime of, uh, you know, again, n- n- nothing much more than maybe a year and a half old buck, you know, maybe a two-year-old, but any of your four and five-year-olds, I, I will not see them until mm, about late, mid to late September, and then they just cruise. You know, they might be here, you might get them on camera coming through, uh, and then it, it, it could be another week. And then they'll come through again through and, and, and what I think they're doing is just cruising the does. Yeah. Pre-rut they're cruising the does and and it's all territory you think too. Yeah. Kind of like their tally book. Hey man, there's a bunch of does up here. You know, this is where I want to be in November. And uh, obviously, you know, there's a lot of factors, you know, food sources play a role in that. Um, you know, and, and I think in the summertime, too, uh, those bucks like it down in that bottom. There's a creek bed that runs down through those hay fields, and there's a couple uh, swampy areas, okay. uh, some, some timber, cattails, just a swampy area. So there's plenty of water, and it's cooler. You know, and uh, we're up here on the hill. Uh, of course we have water, but it's, it's, uh, right through the heat of the day, it it is hotter up here than it would be down by that Creek bottom. So I think that plays into it. Some, uh, of course with the hay fields, there plenty of greenery for them. You know, we've got food plots up here, but I think it's just more appealing to them. And then with, you know, with the does being up here real steady, I think they just kind of stay away from one another, you know, until that mid-October to late October when, you know, pre-rut and rut, and then, you know, they'll stay up here for a while. Um, Typically, they'll stay up here till around February-ish, early March, and then I, then they migrate right back down toward the bottom and they'll stay there the rest of the summer. That's pretty interesting, man. Um, yeah, we got the summer property, apparently. 
Yeah, no, we definitely do. And I, I think I, I, I yeah, the, the different properties that I hunt, I think are a lot, a lot of summer properties. I think it's really kind of validation for me too, in, in regards to, you know, a lot of us when, when we're hunting that early October, kind of to mid October, you're really only hunting mornings and evenings. You're not really doing a lot of midday stuff because you just never see deer moving during the midday. But to your point, and I think that's the validation for me is that that midday is when it's going to become the warmest, right? And they're not going to be moving around as much and all of that. So they're, they're, it's that temperature change that they're really sensing that's getting them kicked up and getting them moving. So that makes a yeah. heck of a lot of sense. It's not me. It's not, it's not that I'm moving too much around in my ground blind. It's the weather, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, and, 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 and like I said, food source. Um, yeah, I'm not going to throw no shade on anybody. So, uh, I will. You, yeah. <laughs> You'll step up to the plate, right? Oh, he so, will. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and food source plays a big part of it. And, uh, you know, this year in Southern Ohio, we had an absolute bumper crop of acorns. Yeah. And I'm telling you, nothing trumps acorns. Yep. And, yep. and there was so many that the deer literally, they never, never left. Anywhere. They never left. Yeah. We, we had a similar scenario mm. two years ago where there was very little deer at all the whole entire season. The only people that were seeing them were the people seeing them that had spots set up where they bet at because they wouldn't go anywhere. They would wake yeah. up, they would eat their acorns. They would, they would basically bet almost in the same area and then just stay there the whole day. There was barely any movement trying to find food at all. And that lasted all season two years ago. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah. yeah and you know, unless you've got a large chunk of real estate that you're hunting where you can find that Oak flat, that oak grove that has the, you know, and of course, you know, white oak is their favorite. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, they're going to eat those first. So, you know, if you're on a smaller property and you don't have a lot of oaks on it, man, you're just, you're in trouble. Yeah. Unless there's something to draw them in, there's not much you can do, but just sit and wait and hope by chance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's honestly about it. Yeah. So if you had, um, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking out loud here, but like you, you're talking about kind of that pre-rut, you, you kind of see those bucks moving in a little bit more kind of feeling out the deer herds and that kind of stuff. Have you ever tried to like do um, like preset or like do sense during that time to attract the bucks up towards your area so that they think that there's more does to kind of keep them on the property. I'm just wondering if that's more of a, better technique to really do it more because I, I we i use sense but i don't do a lot sure. of pre-rut stuff right when when rut hits you know I, I do a lot of sense that but i'm not wondering now if it makes a lot of sense to start doing the pre-rut so that you can get those bucks moving in looking for those does in that area so they get more used to coming into that area absolutely and you know um mock scrapes um is you know in the last few years i've i've really started uh honestly paying a little more attention to those and and doing a little more research on them and you know what i found is that's almost a, a two-fold um 
plan of attack, I guess you could say, um, using a little bit of uh, dough urine in them and a little bit of buck urine because, you know, if you're the stud buck in the area and another guy shows up and he pees in that scrape, you know, the dominant mature buck, he's going to be like, oh, heck no. Oh, you know, yeah, there ain't nobody spot. coming in here. Right, right. Right. And, you know, he'll frequent that area a little more um, trying to catch that other buck there and and have an opportunity to let him know that you ain't welcome here. <laughs> yeah. You know, run him off. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a twofold deal and there's definitely merit to that. And, uh, you know, I, and, and, and I don't know about where you guys are at, but I know here in Ohio, um, the archery hunting, our kill numbers for a long time, you know, your shotgun was way up here, your archery was down here. Well, we could slowly start to see them even out. And this year, the archery numbers actually surpassed our shotgun numbers which was not surprising to me but what that tells me is obviously there's more guys archery hunting yeah which means that your early which you know our our season here opens up at the end of september and our shotgun season doesn't open until um the week the week after thanksgiving oh wow okay so there's, there's so, no gun at all until after Thanksgiving? Well, there is. There's a there's a, a two-day doe hunt. Yeah, we got that too. Okay. Like a muzzleloader, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. doe hunt. And then our youth season is a little is before Thanksgiving. <laughs> but what that but but the, the point being that where the deer clear up until after Thanksgiving had very little pressure on them because there weren't as many guys archery hunting. Now, all of a sudden, you've got from day one of archery season, you've got a lot more pressure on the deer. Yeah. Because you've got a higher number of people that are in the woods with their compound crossbow recurve, whatever. It's just there's more people there in the woods putting more pressure Pressure. on them so you know the honest truth is that you know it's like anything else uh whether you're into racing fishing golf whatever um when the pressure's on you got to up your game yeah you know you you're you know you're gonna have to um you have to work for it no doubt and 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 jamie what that means is that Come September, I'm going to need you to start my mock scrapes for me. Yeah. Okay, probably three or four. I'm thinking in the line, you know, all, uh, the, way, all the way on my side just, of the property. You just map them out for me, buddy. I'll do it. I'll, I'll drop you some pins on Google. So no, yeah, and set the cameras. And I'll put coyote pee in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly yeah, that, what I that expect. would be productive. <laughs> I absolutely funnel them right to me. (laughs) Yeah, you're gonna have them funnel right to you. (laughs) Oh man, I love it. But that honestly, Scott, it 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 seems it seems so simple, right? What you're saying, 
but it's one of those things like you were saying is like until, until you hear it until you say it until you yeah. said it that aha moment it was just sitting there waiting to come out and then you're like that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense man makes a ton of sense well you know it used to be you know when i was a kid growing up i mean there were guys that had one tree stand that was the only place they hunted i mean when they said i'm going hunting that was you know you didn't have to ask where you're going you knew where they were going (laughs) and you know because that's where they always went yeah and you know but as as things as as the years have went on and you know the whole dynamic of hunting has changed a little bit just because of the numbers of people that are are out in the early season which you know hey guys are realizing wait a minute man instead of freezing my butt off during shotgun or late muzzle odor i can be out there in october when it's pretty nice yeah, and you know, not freezing my buns off. I'll oh, see nothing, now. You're nothing like nothing seat. like a forty-five degree day, you know. Oh, yeah, wow. exactly. Even Forty. Yeah. L- last know, year, so, I think we had even some um, almost eighty degrees. I I remember it was it uh, was too hot to see deer. Like we we I wasn't expecting to see anything just because of how blatantly hot and, it was. And because you're hunting out in there, Crocs. Yeah, went out there in the yeah. last year I had, and I went out there in my real in my uh, in my camel Crocs. And I just kind of chilled, man. Did you put them in four-wheel drive mode? The strap? Oh, you pre- I, probably I hooked, did. I hooked the four-wheel drive on the back heel and took off. Yeah. So, you, you flipped the switch, you know. That's you it. Flipped the switch. That's it. So it's fun, man. It's fun. So um, you do any turkey hunting at all? You got turkey season coming up in Ohio, I'm assuming, in the next couple months like we do up in Michigan? Yeah. It's uh, toward the end of April forget yeah. the exact date um and you know there's something that i just you know i really didn't get into turkey hunt until about three years ago yeah um true. and uh you know i'm way better deer hunting than turkey hunting <laughs> right i'm i the the calling part i'm still learning yeah, that yeah which, yeah that's yeah. a that's an art for sure yeah I, the box call yeah, makes it easy but but I'm telling you, because yeah. I because I never got into it, because I'm like, who, nobody cares about a bird. But I'm telling you, as soon as that thing struts in on you, it, that changes everything. I got, well, this is cool. <laughs> it is, it, you know, it is. And uh, so the last couple three years, I do, uh, you know, I'll hit two or three states. You know, I'll hunt Ohio, um, you know, <laughs> West Virginia, Oklahoma, you know, a few places like that, and. Uh, um, I, you kind of get bit by the bug, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm 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 having fun with it. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's still not deer hunting. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think we're the same way. I mean, we love our deer hunting, but turkey hunting just kind of changes it up. You know, you don't have to you don't have to worry about as much as when you're deer hunting. You know, the the scents and the sounds and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you can be a little bit more um, active, if you will, in 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 when you're what you're doing and. And what I was actually, Jamie and I were talking on our live show just before this, some of the funnest times that I've had turkey hunting, we're actually doing more of a spot and stuff. You know, yeah. when you come up on a group and you're just kind of, you got a couple guys and you're kind of organizing, okay, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to try and shoot it. 
why don't you go up around this way, see if you can push them over here. I mean, you can't do that with deer. I mean, people will try, but it just, you can't hurt a deer. I mean, that's just never nope. going to work. So I think it's, I think it's a lot different, a lot, lot, a uh, lot uh, more fun, to be honest with you, to be able to get out in the springtime, enjoy a little bit of the outdoors and just be able to get out there with all, all the prep that goes into deer hunting at all. So I think it's. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know, I, I, I haven't had the pleasure of elk yet. But, uh, you know, a lot of guys I know have, and, you know, turkey hunting is a little bit like elk hunting because they're, they're, they're vocal. Yeah. You know, so when you're turkey hunting, you know, you can get on a ridge or something and, you know, do a hoot owl or, or get just whatever you do to get them to shot gobble so that, you know, there's a bird yeah up on that ridge or two ridges away um like an elk you know if you can bugle or cow call and get that elk to bugle you kind of know where to go start looking for him yeah and you know a big white tail buck you're you just don't have that no you don't you you know right that that is probably one of the funnest parts is getting them to respond I mean, when, once yeah. you start calling and yeah. they start calling back, I mean, it is it is probably one of the coolest things to watch. And then they start walking <laughs> in, and it's fun, man. I, I can't wait. I, I know we, we keep talking about there's not much to talk about this time of year. <laughs> not much hunting going on. Ice fishing's kind of sure. all, all over with. You know, there's some coyote stuff going on. So we end up on turkey topics a lot, and I can't wait, man. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. When you get a big gobbler coming in, spitting and drumming, yeah. And, you know, gobbling his head off. I mean, it just keys you up. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. You know? They're tasty too. I mean, like you said earlier, like, Oh heck yeah. I, I'm more, I'm more of a meat hunter. I, I'm not really a trophy hunter really because I don't see trophies. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I am, I, I'm more of a meat hunter by nature. Welcome um, to Michigan. Yeah, by necessity. Yeah, it, it, it makes it easy say. for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was funny because you you were talking about back in the day, Ohio, when you got that one twenty eight point, and like you think that that would be an elk. I mean, we think that every year up here in Michigan. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, how, that's a good deer for us. You know? Well, deer management's a whole a whole nother can of worms, oh, no and, doubt. and you know you have to change the mindset of everybody. Yeah um you know to make it work and uh and uh man we ain't got enough time to get into that no 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 that is a definitely another topic man but uh gosh dude i mean what you share with us tonight really appreciate it really good insight on everything i can tell you one thing thorn broadhead's got has a great operations manager in you because you know it all and you do it all so i think that's pretty awesome It's just a good fit, you know. Yeah, and, and I mean Thorn Broadheads. I mean, we we had um, had you guys on a couple of weeks ago to talk about everything, but we spent a lot of yeah. time talking about that uh, that crown and yeah. uh, just what a game changer <laughs> that crown looks like, you know. And 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 we can't wait uh, to try and see what we could do with those things. Try so, pop a turkey with that thing. It is. It is. It, 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 I love the name. I love, I, when I first saw it, I'm like, man, that is a Christmas tree on the end <laughs> of my arrow. I love it. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because in development of this broadhead, and, and, and if we got a minute, I'd like to tell you this story. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Andy and, and Heath work in the warehouse and office down in North Carolina obviously i'm here in ohio and uh 
you know, over the years, I've, I've worked for other companies and, uh, and, and I've been a part of a lot of product design and development. Um, I have designed and developed several, several items, but um, when Andy first come to me about a fixed blade broadhead, I was like, you know, man, we've got a super, super product in our, our expandables, you know, right. they're super accurate dependable they're tough you know they do a good job and i'm like andy i haven't shot a fixed blade broadhead in 25 years you know because if i find one that flew good it didn't cut like i wanted it to and if i found one that cut good it didn't fly like i wanted it to and i just you know i stuck with mechanicals and and you know honestly when i got a hold of the first the original thorn og broadhead and shot it and hunted with it I'm not gonna lie to you that's what got me interested and 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 that's why i ended up working for the company that's and awesome. you know now all of a sudden andy's like well we're gonna do a fixed blade <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so <laughs> hell we are <laughs> yeah yeah that was pretty much it and uh and i said well it's gonna have to fill a, a tall order here you know in order for me to go along with it so he started sharing with me, you know, his original idea for the broadhead. And uh, so originally, all four blades were the same width. Yeah. They were one inch. Out to 20, 25 yards, it flew really good. It cut really good. But beyond that, it just wasn't accurate. And... Uh, so I, and, and at this point I didn't have any yet. So Andy calls me and he goes, man, I'm just so frustrated. He said this thing, you know, 20, 25 yards, it's great. But past that, it's just not, I said, listen, send me some up, let me play with them. You know, let me shoot them and, and let me see what I can do. So he sends me three broadheads and, uh, I shot him, and of course, I come up with the same thing that he and he did. Basically, they were great, 20, 25 yards. After that, not so much. And I was sitting there, and, and, and my wife was watching me shoot. And, uh, I mean, I did a 50-yard shot and completely missed a Glendale buck. Wow. And she's like, what the heck was that? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. You know? Yeah. yeah. So... I start looking at it and it hit me. This thing's got to be shaped like a Christmas tree. So when you said that, that's why I brought this up. It's so funny. So I come in the house and, I, and I'm sitting there and I'm studying this broadhead. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, that's it. We have to step the blades to keep the aerodynamics. We're not going to lose much cut but we're going to gain a ton of accuracy. So I get on the phone, I call Andy, and I'm like, I got it. This thing's got to be shaped like a Christmas tree. <laughs> and, and he goes, what? And I said, we need to step the blades. We need to start out, you know, with about a five-eighths inch and then work <laughs> our way up to the one inch. So he gets on the phone to our machine shop. And he goes, listen, I need, I need to take, some one inch blades and I need you guys to you know cut them down reshape them for us we want to go you know we want to stair step them 
So they did, and they got, I don't know, three or four dozen blades ready. And uh, Andy picked them up. They built some broadheads. They shot him, and he calls me up. He's like, dude, that was genius. <laughs> he said, these things are flying like darts now out to 90 and 100 yards. I love it, man. So he sent me some more, and, you know, we, of course, we, we test everything very thoroughly. Compounds, crossbows. Um, we've got a couple uh, staff guys that are very, very good friends of ours that are the trad guys, you know, shooting – recurves and longbows and uh and so we sent them some of the the new design crowns and those guys love them the penetration they get with them they don't have to run a stinking 180 grain head on that thing anymore you know they can run a 125 crown and just you know super penetration excellent accuracy I mean, out of a crossbow, we were getting two-inch groups at 100 yards. Yeah, it, it's crazy, man. We we got a chance to play around with them last fall. Shot him through some ballistics gel, and uh, the way that it just corded out, right? Because the way you guys have everything positioned, it, it keeps that spiral when it's when it's penetrating into into the uh, the ballistics gel, and it just corded out, and it was absolutely awesome, man. So. <laughs> You guys have oh, a good yeah. product there for sure. Yeah, we're gonna try it on some deer for sure, man. <laughs> well, Scott, man, I really appreciate you joining us. We're we're yeah. definitely gonna have to have you on again, do some more Absolutely. about deer and strategy, and you know, see what's new at Thorn and all that stuff, man. So, I really appreciate you joining us tonight. Yes, yeah, thanks. man, I, I love being here. Uh, you guys are great to talk to, great to hang out with. We love what you're doing for archery. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.